I, I just got something I wanted to share with you today that I believe is for all of us that's really important and um, just fits in with our theme. You know, when people ask me, how am I going? I can answer that question a couple of different ways. I can say, I'm great. I'm doing well. Life's awesome. Or I could tell you the truth. And when people ask you that question, you can answer that same question a number of ways. We can, and maybe life is great and maybe life is awesome. Or maybe you could answer it a little bit differently. You know, there's so many different aspects to our life. There's our spiritual life, our physical life, our financial, emotional, relational, vocational. There's so many different aspects to life. And when someone asks us that question, we can go shallow or deep or even deeper still. And it's really important that we can answer honestly with one another when we're asked that question. Um, It's really important because, you know, I could say, hey, you know, if you were to ask me, how am I going? I could say, you know what, I want to share with you, here's what's going really, really well in my life. And I also want to share with you, here are my doubts, my struggles, my fears, my challenges. And are you ready to listen? Because if you ask someone, how are you going? You need to be ready for all kinds of different responses. It might be the shallow response or it might be the more real response. And that more real response could be lots of really, really good things. And there could also be in that some really tough stuff. And so if you're prepared to, when you ask someone, how are you going, be ready to listen. And this is a really important part of of what it means to be the church, to, to do life together. And to love doing life together. Um, And today I wanted to share uh, about that. You know, um, it's important that we have people that we can do life with. uh, That we can can do that. And so what I I want to do today is we want to talk talk about loving life together. And to do that, we're going to have a look at a Bible passage in Acts 2. And this is a passage that describes what the early church was like on on the very day that the church started. What happened about 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, the day of Pentecost happened and Peter got up and preached to the crowd of people that were gathered in Jerusalem and, and said to them, you know, you need to respond to Jesus. You need to put your trust in Jesus. He died for you. He rose again for you. You need to turn. You know, that's that word repent. You need to turn, change your mind, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And that day, 3,000 people were baptized. I mean, there wasn't any water left in the baptistry by the time those 3,000 people went through. <laughs> you know, it was a big day and it was a great day. And the church gathered together and listened to the description of this early church says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, the first phrase of this description of the early church says that they devoted themselves. Do you know who the hardest person that you have in your life to lead is? Do you know who the person that you have the most difficulty with in your life is? 
It's the person sitting in the seat that you're sitting in right now. The hardest person that we will ever lead is ourself. And what these early Christians did is they devoted themselves. To devote yourself means to make an intentional commitment, to, to lead yourself, to, to, to make a commitment and to be intentional, to have resolve. And what happened is these early Christians were so captivated by Jesus and who Jesus is and that he is the one who rescues them and saves them and changes their life. They were so captivated by him and so in love with him that they made a commitment to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship. What's fellowship? It's such, a, it's such an interesting word, fellowship. You know, it can be said lots of different ways. Fellowship. What are, it's it's uh, a word in the Greek. The Greek word is the word koinonia. And it means together, in common, sharing. That's what koinonia means. And so these early Christians, what they did is they devoted themselves to sharing, to doing life together. And, uh, you know, there was something very special about the times when these guys got together. There was something quite unique uh, about these early Christians. You see, they had a relationship with God. They, they related to God uh, the Bible talks about we are here to have fellowship with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we, we have fellowship. We have a life shared in God's love and his goodness and his grace. But they also had fellowship with one another. And uh, there's this guy who, um, his name's Mark McCrindle. You might see him on TV from time to time. And Mark McCrindle has an organisation called McCrindle Research. He's an Australian uh, sociologist, does a lot of studies and has a team of people that do a lot of studies in Australian society of what's going on. And just this week, Mark McCrindle Research released what they see are the top eight trends that are going to happen in Australia in 2022. And I want to just share two of them with you because two of, the, two of the top eight trends that they see happening in 2022 are all about fellowship. They're about the very topic that we're speaking on today. And let me just share the first of those trends. The first one is a trend for what's called relational fitness. Relational fitness. And you think, what's, what's relational fitness? Well, it's the importance of having healthy relationships. But he said that we have the rise of the hogo. New word for church today. What's, a ho what's the hogo? The hogo is the hassle of going out. And it's like that, isn't it? I mean, one of the reasons there's less people in the room is because there's a hassle about going out. And people are, people, are, people are working out, well, what does it look like? And we're about to go in, you know, as, as restrictions ease and all that, we, we, we've got the hassle of going out a little bit more going on in our world today. And that is the, what the research is showing right now is that three out of five Aussies, that's 60% of Aussies, are feeling less confident about organising and participating in social gatherings. That's a really important thing for under, us to understand, the HOGO. Not the hobo, the hogo. All right, so the, the other one is that, that they talk about is intentional lifestyling. And what this is, is that people now, today, after, after what we've been through in COVID, are being much more intentional about what they say yes to and what they say no to. People are making all kinds of decisions about who they want to spend their time with, where they want to be and where they want to go. And people are 
as a result of what's happened in the last couple of years, there is this tendency to be much more intentional and, and to have intentional lifestyling. And what that is, is it's about making the choice. How are we going to live our lives from here on in? People are designing the way that they live and the, way, the things that they say yes to and no to. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because it's, what, what's happened is it's forcing us to think about what do we really value and how are we going to invest our time wisely and well in the lifestyle that we're going to have moving forward. So there's a couple of things from Mark McCrindle Research that I think are really helpful. And you know, in my family, I'm married to Wendy and uh, got a daughter. And when it comes to our family, I reckon out of myself and my 12-year-old daughter and my, and, and, and my wife, when it comes to cooking, I probably rank number three. Um, my wife's the best cook in our family. And, uh, you know, she can cook some beautiful, delicious meals and get the right ingredients and all that sort of thing. And when it's my turn to cook... Well, the, the phone, you know, that phone to the local pizza shop. It's just not that far away. And when, or there's a barbecue outside and occasionally I'll do a barbecue. And very rarely I'll make a spaghetti bolognese. And when I make a spaghetti bolognese, you know, you get the ingredients. You put the spaghetti in the water and don't, bubble, don't, don't burn the water, you know, don't burn the spaghetti. And then you, you've got the mince and the onion and the carrot and the other things that you put in. And sometimes I'll serve up my spaghetti bolognese and it just tastes terrible. It just tastes really, really bland. And one of the reasons it tastes really bland when I cook is because I forgot one or two of the essential ingredients for the spaghetti bolognese. And I'm not going to tell you today what those one or two essential ingredients are because I forget them every time. And I can't remember what they are even right now. <laughs> so what I want to talk about this morning is if you're not loving life together with the people that you live with or work with or relate with or connect with, do you know why? It's because one of these essential ingredients might be missing. And what I want to explore today is what are the five essential ingredients, five essential ingredients for a healthy fellowship, for healthy family, for healthy relationships. And you can apply these things uh, in your own life. Uh, you can apply it in lots of different ways. So we're going to have a look at that today. If we're not loving life, what ingredients might be missing? Now, several years ago, there was a guy called Patrick Lencioni. And Patrick Lencioni um, does a lot of work with organisations and teams. And he wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And you can apply this. And so what are the five dysfunctions of a team that he writes about? Here's what they are. We're going to show the slide. The first one is an absence of trust. Where there's an absence of trust, that's a dysfunction. The next one is a fear of conflict. Unwillingness to have conflict. Third one, a lack of commitment. Then an avoidance of accountability. And then lastly, uh, it's an inattention to results. And these are five dysfunctions of a team. These, this could also be described as five dysfunctions of healthy koinonia, of healthy relationship, of healthy connection and sharing life together. It could be described that way. This can apply to family. It can apply to work. It can apply to church. It can apply to so many different aspects of life. And what I want to do today is rather than look at the blockages and the dysfunctions, I want us to look at, look at it positively. Look at what are the five essential ingredients that help make up a healthy 
relationship. And the first one is vulnerability. Vulnerability. Trusting people with the real you. And that's not easy sometimes, is it? You know, to be vulnerable is to share and reveal the real you. Uh, And this is what Jesus did. Jesus, you know, left heaven itself and came to earth and he shared with his disciples and he said to his disciples from time to time, hey guys, guess what? I'm the son of God. Very risky for Jesus to do. Because anyone who said, hey, I'm the son of God, guess what? Stone them to death. They're crazy. They're a lunatic. There's something wrong with them. But Jesus was vulnerable enough with them to say, I'm the son of God. Jesus was vulnerable with them in that he shared uh, lots of things about his life with them. Um, He trusted them with his tears, with his cries, with his laughter, with his joys. He got tired and hungry and thirsty and he would say that to his disciples. Here he is. If you're the son of God, why are you thirsty? <laughs> you know, Jesus was vulnerable with, with his best mates and he got tired. And, and fellowship begins when the real you shows up and Jesus models it for us because Jesus was vulnerable with his good friends. He was vulnerable with his best buddies and he shared with them. So fellowship begins when you are vulnerable. Fellowship begins when we take off our masks. Wouldn't you just love to do that? And in a week's time, we've got that privilege and opportunity everywhere we go. Take off the masks. And I want to invite you in this season, as we might take off this physical mask, I want to invite you, do you need to also take off another mask? Do you need to become more the real you with the people closest to you? Take off the mask. Stop pretending. Be the real you with those that you can trust with the real you too. It's a really important thing uh, for us to do. You know, last year and the year before, in 2020, we couldn't gather as a church. And for those of you who don't know, I've been, I came down from Queensland September the 1st, 2019. My wife and daughter were still in Queensland and, and uh, they, they saw out the year in Queensland in 2019 and then they came and joined me. And so I was here for about four months without them and then they joined and then three months later we had lockdown. And I'll be honest with you, I'd come from Queensland, left family, friends, lots of different things in order to help lead the campus at Taramara to build a congregation that can't meet. <laughs> There were many days when I considered pull on the pin, given up. What's the point? The reason I'm here is not even happening. And then in 2021, we had the lockdown for four months. And here I am, a pastor, trying to gather people together and get people involved. I can't, you just can't do it. So it was challenging. And so I've just been a little vulnerable with you now saying, oh, gee, the pastor was thinking of pulling the pin. And it's important, though, that we do be vulnerable with each other. It's important. You know, there's there's a flip side. There's a little warning when when it comes to vulnerability, and that is this. Jesus said this, and he gives a little warning, and he says, "Don't, don't throw your pearls before swine, because if you do, they might turn and tear you to pieces. And what Jesus was saying there is, he's saying, be wise and discerning about who you share your vulnerabilities with. Because if you do share something that's really vulnerable with someone who's out to get you, then 
be really careful. So there's a warning and, there's, and, and I think Jesus, Jesus is the wisest guy who ever lived. So he knows. So Jesus was wise and he was vulnerable. And I want to invite you into vulnerability. Vulnerability starts with you. It takes time to be with someone, to develop that relationship and for fellowship to happen. The second aspect is honesty. Honesty is speaking up on the difficult issues. It's speaking the truth. And, uh, you know, Jesus was the most honest person who ever lived, wasn't he? I mean, he was honest and real. He told the religious leaders, he said, guess what, guys? You need to start your relationship with God all over again. I mean, that's pretty confronting to someone who's been religious for several years. Jesus um, was very honest about his mission. He said, look, I've come to seek and save the lost. Uh, I've come to make disciples. I've come to make disciples who make disciples. I've come to ultimately give my life on the cross. Jesus was very honest with people about what he was on about. And um, he, 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 was, he was that kind of guy. Jesus spoke on the difficult issues, didn't he? I mean, he spoke on the difficult issues like heaven, hell, eternal life. He spoke on the difficult issues of hypocrisy and lust and pride and greed and generosity. He, Jesus didn't shy away from the tough issues. He was honest about them and he spoke the truth on those issues. He, would, he was very honest and vulnerable with his disciples when he said to them, oh, man, my, my soul, it's just overwhelmed to the point of death. I, I feel like I'm going to die. He, he, he was honest and vulnerable with his disciples when he told them what he was going through. And I want to encourage us because every one of us needs people that we can be honest to, and we all need people who can be honest with us. And I want to invite you and ask you the question, who are the three to five people who can be really honest with you? And who are the three to five people who can tell you the truth about yourself and and, and you're okay to hear it? And when someone does give you that honest feedback, are you ready to say, thank you for your honest feedback? Because I don't know about you, but if you're like me and someone's telling me the truth and it's a difficult truth, I get a little bit squirmy. And I think you might too. And it's really important that for fellowship to be real, for this community, for this koinonia to be real, we need to be able to speak honestly with one another. The good stuff and the bad stuff. The truth about who we really are and what's going on. The, the next quality is humility. I want to share about humility. Humility is valuing others above ourselves. And isn't this what Jesus was about? Um, you know, in Philippians, Paul writes this about Jesus. He says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to death. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know those verses I just read? Guess what that is? That's one of the first songs written about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11 is a song 
And these are the words of that song. And it's interesting that one of the first hymns or songs written about Jesus was about what? Humility. About being a servant. And because the early Christians knew that what was so important about Jesus was that he didn't come as a king, as the big one in control or the, the, you know, he came as a servant. He came as one who's humble. And one of the reasons that the early church, uh, the church before it got religious, was so on fire and so well is because of this unique quality that is only known in the Christian faith as humility. Humility, that willingness to value others above ourselves. Now, here's the thing with humility. Um, some of us, each one of us probably has a view of ourselves that is either either exaggerated, it's either that we're, that we're better than, that, you know, it's either exaggerated or underemphasized. And what is really important is that we need to have our view of ourselves, we need to see ourselves the way God does. God loves us. He treasures us. He values us. He has gifted us. He has given us talents. But we also need to see that, hey, as human beings, guess what? We are flawed. We are broken. We need grace. We need help. We do, do you see it? It's so important that we see that about ourselves and that we don't have too high a view of ourselves or too low a view of ourselves, that we just see ourselves as God sees us. Really, really important when it comes to this quality of humility. Humility, valuing others above ourselves. You know, the opposite of humility is pride. And pride really is obsession with self. That's what pride is. Pride is sometimes ego-driven. It's sometimes, uh, pride is sometimes it's about our, uh, our spiritual insecurity or our emotional insecurity. And the antidote to pride is humility. That's the antidote to pride. And humility is that way of saying, God, I depend on you. I need you. I need your help. And I need to see myself as you see me. And one of the things that I've loved being a part of over the last 20 years is a, is a, a ministry called the Global Leadership Summit. And uh, it's a great opportunity for leaders. Over half a million leaders a year get trained in leadership development, either in their church or in their business or in their work. And it's a great couple of days of leadership development with some of the most skilled and, and leadership developers uh, in our world. And uh, last year, I, I was a part of one of these GLS events. And the speaker was talking about humility. And he said this, Humility can come about in one of two ways, voluntarily or involuntarily. When it's voluntarily, it's the way that Jesus did. We make humble a habit. We take the low place. We push others into the limelight. We let them have a go. Um, and it's being committed to the needs of other people above our own needs. And then the involuntary way is not a fun way. It's comes about through humiliation. Humiliation is involuntary humility. It's a gap between where we thought we were and where we really are. And it's far better to take the road of voluntary humility than it is to take the road of involuntary humility. To be humble means to take the low place and to value others above ourselves. Fourth one, and I'll share this one briefly, when it comes to community and koinonia is responsibility and what responsibility is about is is that there's clear roles 
and clear accountability. And we even have this in this passage in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to communion and to prayer. And some of them sold their homes and properties because they were able to. But then it also says that they met together in each other's homes. I love reading that about this passage because when you read this passage, it looks like all of them sold their possessions and properties. But they didn't all sell their possessions and properties because it says that they met together in each other's homes. And what this shows us is that in the early church, there were some people who had wealth and means and they had clearly the role and responsibility to, to, be, to be hugely generous contributors to the life of the church. And then there were others, their particular thing was hospitality. They opened up their homes. They let people come into their homes and share in different communion and community events. And they did life together. Jesus was really clear about his mission, clear about his responsibilities and clear about his accountability. But what's, what's really interesting is in the early church, who was responsible for making sure that the new Christians fitted in? Answer, the new Christian was. It's a really interesting thing because here it says they devoted themselves. All of these new Christians, all of these new followers of Jesus, they took responsibility themselves to be a part of the community. And I would invite you, you are the person who's sitting in your seat. The hardest person to lead is you and you need to take responsibility for your own growth. Don't expect it to come from someone else. You take responsibility and be clear about that. The last one is transparency. And this is calling out the losses and celebrating the wins. And this is certainly true of Jesus. You know, there was this one time when Jesus would preach to a crowd of 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 men, there were women and children as well, and he'd feed that hungry crowd. And uh, they celebrated the wins. The disciples were involved in it, handing out the fish and the bread and there were 12 basketfuls left over. It was an amazing miracle. And they were celebrating this amazing win. And then the very next passage says, not long after that, an argument broke out amongst the disciples. And, uh, and, and Jesus, Jesus actually said, look, you need, to, you need to swallow my teaching. You need to... He actually says this really hard words. He says, unless you eat my flesh, you have no part of me. And you think, what's that about? What's Jesus talking about eating his flesh? I mean, that sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? You know, what's Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying, you need to be so intimately involved in what I'm about and who I am that, that you're, just, you're just there. You're with me the whole time. And an argument broke out amongst the disciples and uh, they say, look, what you're teaching is so hard to accept and and." I want you to look at the response. Look at the response of this crowd of 5,000 people who hear Jesus talk about this. It says this, from this, I think it's an interesting verse because it's John 6, 66. There's no 666 in this verse at all, all right? John 6, 66 says this, from this time, many of disciples, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Oh. See, Jesus' ministry had wins and losses. And Jesus wasn't afraid to count the wins and count the losses. And when Jesus' disciples, sometimes they would go out and they'd preach and people would turn to God and be amazing and Jesus would help celebrate the wins with them. 